Welcome to the Emergency Management Network Podcast. Emergency Management's trusted voice, sponsored by Disaster Tech, the Natural Disaster and Emergency Management Expo, and Titan HST. Before I get into the meat of the topic, I need to pause and wish all of my fellow veterans a happy Veterans Day. And I can't forget about my Marine Corps brothers and sisters and wish them a very happy birthday. It's been a wonderful 247 years since the founding of the Marine Corps in Philadelphia's Tun Tavern in 1775, when the Marine Corps came alive. Today, we're talking about moving followers to leaders. With the national holiday, Veterans Day, two days away from when I write this, I found it fitting to revisit a past interview I conducted with Captain L. David Marquette from the United States Submarine Force. Since I first interviewed David about his book, Turn the Ship Around, hundreds of thousands of readers have been inspired by the former Navy captain's true story. Many have applied his insights to their organization, creating workplaces where everyone takes responsibility for their actions and where followers grow to become leaders and where happier teams drive dramatically better results. Like many officers, David was a Naval Academy grad. He took pride in his accomplishments and as an experienced officer, when he was selected for the highly competitive position of submarine commander, he was thrilled. David was trained to give orders in the traditional master and commander leadership model. And when he was allowed to be the skipper of the brand new nuclear-powered submarine, he took the opportunity to learn everything about it. However, David faced a new wrinkle when he was shifted to the Santa Fe, an older, underperforming boat that was dead last in the Pacific Fleet. Facing the high-stress environment of a sub where there's little margin for error, David was determined to reverse the trends that he found on the Santa Fe, the poor morale, poor performance, and the worst retention rate in the fleet. Marquette ran into trouble when he unknowingly gave an impossible order for his crew to follow, and they tried it anyway. He said it was like trying to tell someone driving at four speed to shift the car into fifth gear, and they tried to do it anyway, even though they knew they couldn't. And when he asked them why, he said it was because you told me to. And David realized that while he had been trained for a different submarine, his crew had been trained to do what they were told to do. And that was a deadly combination. So that's when Marquette flipped the leadership model and pushed for leadership to every level. Turn the ship around reveals how Santa Fe skyrocketed from the worst to the first in the fleet by challenging the United States Navy's traditional leader-follower approach. Struggle against his instinct and everything that he was taught to take control, he achieved vastly more powerful model of giving power to his subordinates and creating leaders. And before long, each member of Marquette's crew became leaders and assumed responsibilities for everything he did. From clerical tasks to crucial combat decisions, the team became wholly engaged, contributing to their total intellectual capacity to every day. Santa Fe set records for performance, morale, and retention. And over the next decade, highly disproportionate number of the officers from the Santa Fe were selected to become submarine commanders. Organizations should reward risk takers, and even if they fall short once in a while. 
Let them know that promotions and glory go to innovators and pioneers. Not to stand patterns or fear of controversy and avoid trying to improve anything. And he recounts in Turn the Ship Around a true story of turning followers into leaders. The opportunity wasn't without its irony. See, I took away from the interview how David moved an entire boat from can I to may I mentality. This may not seem like a difference to you. However, it is enormous in the traditional Navy and the high stakes world of submarine service. Today, young men and women are preparing to fight the next war. Our military has spent much of time and money preparing for tomorrow's battles with antiquated methods. And we continue to invest in the latest technologies and systems, but all we know is the technology is nothing but the facilitator and the people operating the equipment give us the fighting edge and if we lost our way to help them grow. See, I see a parallel between emergency management and the decade-old methods that we use to train our current and future emergency managers and the military training to fight the last battle. There are technologies that we need to embrace by looking at thought leaders such as Sean Griffin from Disaster Tech, whose innovations in training and AI are making strides in how we can train for the next disaster, not the last disaster. However, we also have to have a pathway for the next generation of emergency management leaders. And that's what this series is truly about. Socrates said that the only true wisdom is knowing that you know nothing. That is key to leadership. It understands yourself first. Seek to improve, and then use that knowledge to shape the organization. Leaders must free their subordinates to fulfill their talents at the utmost. However, most obstacles that limit people's potentials are set in motion by the leader and are rooted in fear, ego, needs, and unproductive habits. A transformation can take shape when leaders explore deep within their thoughts and feelings to understand themselves. And the understanding shifts the leader's perspective on all of life's interactions, and they approach leadership differently. As a result, leaders' choices differ from those that they made behind fear, ego, and habit. More importantly, others perceive that person as more authentic, reinforcing, and this new behavior. And this can vastly improve how people respond to their leaders and make their loyalty to that source of gratification more likely. This loyalty transforms the organization from just a place to work to a sense of ownership. And ownership is key. We'll get to this back in here in a minute. But a team and a culture, and it gives their lives meaningful and purpose. So they're getting back to the idea of team and culture, right? And this is giving their purpose and meaningful, right? That is what everybody strives for. And with those of us that got into emergency management, we were looking to do more than just make a widget. And I think that's key. And we're losing that. See, leaders must be willing to put the organization's performance ahead of their egos. And that command and control approach is far from the most efficient way to tap into people's intelligence and skills. In any organization, where employees take ownership, you have to be one with core values of the leaders that are putting the team or the followers first. In a world that is consistently moving, staying still is near certain death. Organizations should reward those risk takers. 
even if they fall short once in a while. It is scary for paramilitary organizations to allow this to happen. We've seen the rewards go to the bureaucrat, which does not challenge the status quo. Kelly McKinney once said that you're not doing your job if you don't get fired for doing what is right. Let that sink in for a second. So we must let our team members know that promotions and glory go to the innovators and the pioneers, not the standard patterns who fear controversy and avoid trying to improve anything. I love that quote. That's key to keeping an organization vital, growing, and successful. Evolve or die. It's the law of life. Rules were written well before may be obsolete and make them extinct too. The primary reason why people leave an organization has nothing to do with money. Well, hardly. A challenge for leaders in the 21st century is attracting and retaining not just employees, but the best employees, and more importantly, how to motivate them so that they work with passion, energy, and enthusiasm. But very few with brain skills and initiative will appear. The timeless challenge in the real world is to help less talented people transcend their limitations. Most systems reward micromanagement, which only disempowers subordinates and removes that ownership and accountability. And managers are told to delegate authority and empower subordinates, but they're also expected never to utter the words, I don't know. So they're in constant alert, riding hard every detail. And in short, the system rewards that micromanagement by supervisors at the cost of disempowering those below. And so organizations commanded by micromanagers create a subculture of micromanagement and individuals, initiative, and expectations, not the norm, and the people who exhibit it get beaten down quickly and either by quit or become cynical. And they have the new term, the quiet quitting. No one is capable of making every decision. And while there are infinite ways to make decisions, most organizations create an ineffective system of rules and policies that attempt to prepare for every possible contingency. And that sort of thing, the rules and the policies, is that they become hard and fixed and once they were put in place. And both people who put them in place and those whose job it is to exercise them become highly motivated advocates of the policies. And even if the policies initially made sense, they became hard to change. And we try to change something, but you can't you start to become a tenant and you stop becoming an owner. And ownership drastically increases the odds of success. They will handle the details you find the right people, set the direction and give them autonomy. And in fact, not only will they take the detail, but they'll also insist on it because they are owners. And think about it. When was the last time that you cared about something profoundly and outsourced all the details. It's going to be never. I saw this quote, and I knew I was going to use it at some point, and Shane Paris published it on his website. One way to tell if you're working with owners and renters is whether they insist upon a significant level of autonomy. Renters never want it. Owners cannot live without it. Autonomy comes from influence, power, and direction. And you must keep up with bureaucracy and management. Instead of rules, great organizations use principles and allow for expectations and judgment. They train people to think and make judgments on their own. If you need to be told when it makes sense to opt out of a rule or policy, you shouldn't be in charge of executing it. Hey, everybody. 
Thanks for spending time with me. And if you really like what we're doing here, please give us five stars. And don't forget to visit us over at the Substack at Emergency Management Network. And go ahead and subscribe. Love to have you. Until next time, stay safe and stay hydrated.